Welcome to The Active Wealth Show with your host, Fort Stokes. Fort is a fiduciary and licensed financial advisor who places your needs first. He'll help you protect and grow your wealth. The Active Wealth Show has grown because activators like you want to activate their retirement planning with sound, tax-efficient investing. And now, your host, Ford Stokes. And welcome to the Active Wealth Show, Activators. I'm Ford Stokes, your Chief Financial Advisor. I've got Sam Davis, our Executive Producer, with us here today. Say hi to the folks, Sam. Welcome to the Weekend Activators. Very excited to have a special guest on this week's Active Wealth Show. We're going to have a lot of important information coming up in the back half of the show, so stick around and hope you're having a good weekend. We've got Gus Morris, a very special guest with us. He is the author of Saturdays in the South. He's also a veteran of 31 years as an SEC football official, uh, which is in the Southeastern Conference, which is kind of a big deal around these parts. And Gus, just welcome to the show. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Hope y'all are doing well today. We are. And uh, also, people can get your book and they can get more information at thefootballbook.com. Is that right? That's correct. And it's also available through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Yeah. So if you're looking um, to get this great book that's got all these kind of great stories over 31 years of Gus officiating in the Southeastern Conference, I would encourage you uh, to check out Saturdays in the South on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So, Gus, we just got we're going to have two segments because we're just so excited to talk to an SEC football official. I think that's a pretty big deal for for us in this part of the world. Um, how have you seen the sport of college football change during your lifetime, your career, both on and off the field? Well, it's changed in uh, in so many ways. Um, just pulling one uh, right off the top is, you know, every game today is on TV, some sort of platform. When I started, uh, you may only have two games a week that are being broadcast. Um um, you know, the technology along, around the team areas, uh, coaches used to carry, you know, corded my, uh, headsets around with them, and they would have a person that was responsible for trying to keep that untangled. And now all of that is wireless. Um, you know, the, the speed and the size of the players has uh, increased over the years. And, um, um, you know, just the 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 amount of information and the preparation that an official goes through now is so much more than when I started. Yeah, I'm sure it's, it's incredible how you've got linebackers that are running four, three forties and you've got defensive linemen that are running four, five, four, six. It's, I mean, I, being a quarterback where everybody wants to just get to you with the ball is gotta be a pretty daunting deal there. It's gotta be pretty scary. You know, most football fans, Gus, don't really appreciate the challenge of officiating a game. I know I don't. I, you know, I, I always want to cheer for my team. What was the most difficult part of the job, in your opinion? Probably meeting the expectations of my, uh, uh, you know, my peers on the field. When I started, I was working with veteran officials, and I felt competent about what I was going out to do, but I was really anxious about meeting those expectations of, of the veterans that I was working with. Um, I was fortunate enough that I think I kept things in perspective and I did it really for, you know, something to, something to do, uh, something to stay active. Um, I went out there to do the very best job that I could do, but, 
there's a there's a tremendous amount of again preparation that goes into being able to go out during a game and execute properly, and then you go through the debriefing uh, aspect of it after the game. But um, there's there's just an awful lot that goes into it, and that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book. I wanted to kind of pull back the curtains of what an actual you know uh, power five official goes through what their life is like, what we do uh, so that people will, you know, understand because the the average fan has no idea, um, you know, where the officials come from, uh, what they do, you know, outside of, you know, Saturday afternoons um, and what all was involved in, you know, just getting to a game site. No, I'm sure you said something very remarkable there. I'm going to let Sam jump in and ask the next question. But you said it was just something to do. That's something else that you're going to be sitting on a field making calls that make determinations on the outcome of a game. And there's 90,000. Or if you're sitting there in Neyland Stadium, there's over 100,000 fans in the stadium. Or you're in Tuscaloosa, there's 90,000 fans. Sanford Stadium uh, over in Athens, there's 90,000 plus. And in Auburn, there's 87,000 plus. And Florida Field in the Swamp, it's crazy amounts of fans as well. That's something remarkable. Oh, I just I just wanted something to do, so I'm going to go ahead and be an SEC official. Holy cow, that is going on yeah. the next level there, guys. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, if you look back on your playing days, no matter, you know, what you were doing, um, you know, once the game started, you know, all that kind of went away uh, as far as the fans and the size of the stadium because it really is an official. There's so much stuff going on. Um, you know, we're, we're managing the game and, you know, it's something as simple as making sure you got the right team's football in there, <laughs> uh, how to, you know, execute a, 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 ma- a measurement so that you don't, you know, mess it up on TV and, you know, and then get noticed and, uh, you know, doing something like that. But when I got out of college, I was, you know, playing softball and it was great and had a good time. And then I moved back to Atlanta to go to graduate school at Georgia tech and started playing softball again. And it just was not enjoyable. So I got into officiating and it was, you know, seventh and eighth grade uh, games and junior varsity games. And I really, really enjoyed it. I understood the game. I had a, I struggled learning the rules, but once I kind of got a grip on that, um, I still enjoyed going out there and working with the other guys and uh, being a part of something that was so much bigger than myself. Um, but I kept that approach throughout my entire career where uh, I wasn't, you know, looking to move up to the NFL. Uh, I would have gone. I would have considered going if they had contacted me. Sure. But I just had a, I had a fabulous time and having written this book, as I was writing these stories and I started, you know, accumulating a pretty thick stack of papers, I would sit back and think to myself, you know, this is, I've had a pretty good life as far as officiating. Well, it's probably uh, well-earned too. I mean, you've got to have some intestinal fortitude to be able to deal with that. I mean, we, we deal with that as, you know, as financial advisors who are always looking to protect people's assets and, you know, cause it matters. I mean, we, we have to protect their money because it's their retirement. They can't go back to work and we can't, we've got to do a great job of protecting and growing people's assets at, at active wealth. And also we try to educate people on the active wealth show. 
it's not, I guess, not too dissimilar, but we're not at the bottom of a field, you know, sitting there on a field at the bottom of 90,000 fans around us in that, in that cavern that is, you know, it's just a sea of humanity. It is remarkable. And your intestinal fortitude is something else that probably makes the book even more intriguing um, as well. Uh, Sam, I'm going to go ahead and let you ask the next question. Yeah, Gus, we've got just a, you know, two or three minutes left in this first segment. We're excited that you're going to stick around for segment two of the show. We were talking before we got started here on the radio show today. You know, I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas where when you were talking football, you were talking the Kansas City Chiefs, NFL football, at that time the St. Louis Rams or the Dallas Cowboys, maybe the Denver Broncos. But it was amazing to me when I moved to the South in 2017 how much college football is embedded into the culture down here, especially you know those fans that enjoy SEC football. So of all the great traditions in the Southeastern Conference, which one was your favorite to experience as an official? Well... Each school has their own unique traditions, uh, no doubt. But there's something about looking up at a perfectly blue sky without a cloud in it. And when they fly that eagle down at Auburn mm. and he really soars, he doesn't come right in on the bait and you know hit the field. But when he soars, it's, it's really something to behold how well-trained that animal is. Um, but there's other traditions as well. Um, uh, you know, when they used to uh, at Florida, when they had the the, the real Mr. Two Bits. Um, yeah, that, that was something, something that got people fired up when, um, you know, I've been, on this, I've been there. I've been yeah. there at that one. And it is remarkable to hear how loud just and how much noise he can make. He could make just by putting a hand up to one side of the stands. It was it is remarkable. Yeah. You know, Texas A&M has a lot of tradition and was a great fit into the SEC when they joined. Um, but each school has their own, uh, you know, really unique uh, traditions that are that are very special. And that's and that's what makes part of the, the you know, Southeastern Conference. Or that's what makes the Southeastern Conference what it is. Yeah. I, you know, one of those traditions and having lived live in Atlanta and seeing also Uga and that tradition of Uga on the field and seeing him. You know, whether he's going after an Auburn player or going after Bevo at, at a Sugar Bowl, um, you know, being that junkyard dog, it's, it's always pretty neat. It's always funny to see uh, Ugga sitting on uh, a bag of ice so he can get cool. That's right. <laughs> the, the, but but also at Georgia, before the game starts, I have a bugle player in the uh, southwest corner of the stadium that's, that's pretty inspiring as well. Yeah, I agree. So I, everybody uh, in that stadium is turning and looking at that uh, guy, and he's probably – hoping he doesn't, you know, miss a note while he's up there. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, we've got a, just a ton of Georgia fans who are listening, also Auburn fans as well, and sure. and um, just throughout the whole Southeastern Conference because Atlanta is kind of that Southeastern and the SEC and ACC melting pot here. Um, I think yeah. I think Atlanta adds like 200,000 people a year to the city just from graduations from across the South um, where people come back looking for jobs. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, we work with a lot of those people who are now at the end of their career. So we try to help protect and grow their wealth. Just make sure you go out and pick up that book, Saturdays in the South, at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. We come back with a break. We're going to have more from Gus Morris, the author of Saturdays in the South.
And welcome back to the Active Wealth Show, Activators. I'm Ford Stokes, your Chief Financial Advisor. Also, if you've got questions on how you can better protect and grow your wealth, I'd encourage you to just check us out at activewealth.com. You can click that schedule a consultation button in the upper right corner, and we're happy to work with you. Uh, we'll give you a free portfolio analysis and a free financial plan to your 95th birthday with absolutely no charge and at no cost to you because we want to help you make an informed financial decision. And talking about you know, making informed financial decisions, but also um, really just doing the next level thing in, in your career. We've got Gus Morris back with us here talking about his book, Saturdays in the South. And it's interesting, Gus, that you said, you know what, I just needed something to do. So I'm going to go ahead and and be an SEC official. And you started started from like a lot of people's careers. You started from the ground up working, you know, seventh and eighth grade football games all the way to the SEC. That is um quite a climb, sir. I, during your 31-year career as an SEC official, I just got to ask you, who were some of the most difficult coaches you dealt with? Who was who was your favorite? Um, any really crazy tough stories? Um, any things that people may or may not know and, and things that might even be one story that might even be in the book, um, in your book, Saturdays in the South, that's available on Barnes & Noble and on Amazon. Just any, any of those coaches that were a little bit tougher at any cool stories you could tell us and also just at the end just make sure you give us who your favorite coach was Gus well so I do have some stories in the book about coaches um, the as I finished my career um, I, I totaled 102 coaches that I worked with 102 head coaches in the SEC during my 31 year career um, now that does wow. include some interim head coaches, but that's quite a list of, of uh, guys that I had to, you know, had a chance to work with. It shows that turnover is real in the oh, SEC yeah. at the at the head coaching position. Absolutely, it's real. And so, you know, at the beginning of my career, um, coaches would they would lean on you a little bit. They would try to intimidate you while you were out there, and you would make a call and. You know, you'd hear from the coaches that, you know, if you make another call like that, you're never going to work another game here and <laughs> that sort of thing. And um, because in, in, in the beginning of my career, coaches had input on your on your ranking. Mm. Uh, now I'm told that they don't. Um, and I don't think they do. But um, so after I got a little more comfortable and got some years under my belt, you know, a coach would say mm. something similar to that again. And. Uh, you wouldn't say it to them, but you would think to yourself, you know, if you don't start winning, you're not going to be coaching here much longer. Right. Um, sure. But uh, I had the opportunity to work with some really, really good coaches um, and interesting coaches, uh, just not in any particular order. But, uh, uh, you know, how mummy at uh, Kentucky. Uh, had uh, had Mike Leach working for him and they were throwing the football around all over the place. Um, yeah, crazy innovative for sure. Uh, just way ahead of their time and, and didn't have a whole lot of talent up there compared to the rest of the league, but they were making a lot of noise and winning some games and beating some teams that they probably should not have beaten. Um, uh, probably my favorite coach uh, throughout my career was Les Miles down at LSU. He was just a really interesting guy. He was he was uh, very approachable. Uh, he was he was really humble, and he treated you 
he, he knew the difficult situation that we were in. And even if a call went against him, he treated with, you know, treated you with a lot of respect. Um, there was a, a coach down, probably the, the most difficult coach that I worked with um, was, I think it was at Florida International, uh, Carl Polini. It was Bo Polini's brother. Mm. Uh, he, he got the best of me at uh, Alabama one day. He, he distracted me right before a snap, and I missed a false start. And, uh, and he took great pride in doing that, and I gave him credit for it. But after that, I just shut him down and didn't have any more interaction with him the rest of the game. But he's the one coach that did, uh, that did pull me off my game one time. Um, well, but, one time in 31 years isn't too bad, guys. Well, I made some other bad calls. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, as far as that, I mean, I will, I will always remember that. I, I just, I let him get to me, and I shouldn't have, I should not have done that. But the one thing that I will say about working with these coaches, these guys are at the at the top of their profession, and they are so good at what they do. Um, I was an official that you know, that went into the team area during timeouts. I wasn't intimidated by the coaches. I'd go in and, you know, go get water or something like that. And to be able to watch these guys do what they do, um, I learned a tremendous amount from them dealing with, you know, that I could use in my own businesses. Um, And I got paid to do it uh, while I was out there learning from them. Well, it's that that's kind of comes to the profit from being in the arena, I guess. I mean, you, you deserve it because that, that is you almost deserve combat pay. I mean, that is that is quite the arena to be officiating in, in my opinion. I've been out there in some in some in, in heat and driving rain and sleet and everything in between. And, uh, you know, but then you have those perfect days where it's 65 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. Right. Gus, we've still got, you know, as of now, like four months until football season gets going again. So I think people should definitely head over to the footballbook.com. I'm excited to dive into this to kind of hold me over during the dog days of summer, get some college football stories. Uh, You know, what's a story maybe you have about, you know, possibly getting injured on the field during a game? Well, I took five big shots during my career. Mm. Uh, the first one was down at LSU. Uh, I don't know what his name is, but it was number 55. And he hit me in the chest with the top of his helmet like a missile. And uh, and I went down, but I gathered myself up. I was a lot younger back then, so I could I could I was a little more resilient. But I took a hit in uh, in 2013 uh, when Vanderbilt was playing at South Carolina, and I got caught on the sideline the chain crew guy who was supposed to put the equipment down and get out of the way didn't. And uh, the defensive back for uh, Vanderbilt stepped right on top of my right foot and buried the cleats into the ground and Mm. I couldn't move. And they hit me. They started hitting me at about my waist and it went up towards my chest. And the first thing, you know, that really hit was the back of my head. And, um, and I was done. Um, I don't, I remember coming to, um, a few minutes later, didn't really know where I was. Uh, they carted, they carted me off the field, but South Carolina really, really took care of me. They, they, uh, they stayed with me all night, but it took me about nine months to get over that hit. Oh my um, gosh. I told myself that if I ever, you know, if I'd ever taken another hit like that, I was done. I, I, you know, I just don't think that the human body can, 
you know, take two million. Yeah, but when they, when they have armor on and you don't, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Especially and, when they're and crazy That's fast. really the last thing I remember is, you know, this is going to be bad. Um, yeah. And then, you know, so anyway, it was, uh, you know, you you do uh, – and but but officiating has kind of changed too. Uh, we used to work out on the field in close proximity to the players, and we did a lot of movement. We'd move downfield on the you know right at the snap and stuff. And now the officials are, you know, on the sidelines. Um, they're not moving as much, so they let things you know develop, and, and then they they kind of chase the play. Uh, we were we were more involved in the play, you know, as far as the you know runner going downfield and that sort of thing. So so they've they've changed, and and again, it's a result of the players, you know, getting bigger and faster. Yeah, it makes sense. I, you talk about you know getting taken care of by the South Carolina folks when you got after that hit. I, you also had an interesting story that you shared um, with us uh, before we started talking here today um, about what the student managers did at Georgia um, and also what what the sons of the coaches at Georgia did to take care of you. I, I thought that was a remarkable story. Also, super smart as well. I, can you just share a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So the each official, um, you know, during a break, uh, the, the team, the home teams are responsible for making sure the officials are taken care of, that we're watered down, that we need anything during a, you know, during those breaks that occur during the game. And uh, usually, uh, you know, they're student managers uh, that do that. But at Georgia, and they've been doing it for years and years, they actually have, um, you know, the sons of the coaches. And, um, you know, these little guys are, some of them are, you know, seven, eight years old, uh, on up to about 12, I think is probably as old as they get. Mm-hmm. And they'll congregate like on the just outside the team area. And uh, when <laughs> when there's a natural break in the game, a TV timeout or a team timeout or, you know, an injury or something like that, they're like shot out of a cannon. They have come running onto the field in all different directions, and each, each uh, little guy has a particular official that they take care of th- throughout the entire game. So you get to, you know, kind of build a little relationship with these guys. And I enjoy talking to them. At first part of the game, they'd be intimidated by you. But if you drop down on a knee and you, you know, extended your hand and introduced yourself to them and, you know, ask them to have a girlfriend or something like that, you know, they would mm-hmm. kind of loosen up. And it was a, and it, it was really a, uh, a, a neat experience. And I give Georgia a lot of credit for doing that. I wish we had more time. Thank you so much for being on the Active Well Show. Uh, we wish you all the best with your book, Saturdays in the South. We encourage everybody to go get that book at Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. And uh, Gus, again, thanks for being with us here on the Active Well Show. Well, thanks for inviting me and uh, good luck to you. And I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. You bet. All the best. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about how you can build a smart retirement plan right here on the Active Well Show. Charlie Kirk here. If you're concerned about your investments, rising taxes from the Biden administration, then I encourage you to listen to the Active Wealth Show, hosted by my good friend, Ford Stokes, right here on AM 920, The Answer. Listen to the Active Wealth Show, Saturdays at noon and Sundays 
at 11 a.m. The Active Wealth Show, right here on AM 920, The Answer. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor, not an actual client of Active Wealth Management. Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. And welcome back, Activators, the Active Wealth Show. I'm Ford Stokes, your Chief Financial Advisor. I've got Sam Davis with me. Well, Sam, that was a great interview with Gus Morris. I I applaud him on writing that book, and he's got some really great stories in that book of Saturdays in the South. And I would encourage everybody to go ahead and try to get that book. You can visit thefootballbook.com, or you can go to uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble and look for that Saturdays in the South from Gus Morris, who's a 31-year veteran official in the sec being a football official in the sec i can't imagine something more stressful but um other than maybe being a neurosurgeon or a heart surgeon or something like that or an orthopedic surgeon um but i just got to tell you it it was intriguing to talk to one of those people i've actually never gotten the chance to sit down and and spend extra time with a, a football official from the sec i thought gus represented the species quite well absolutely i Great stories shared. If you missed the first part of the show, check it out on the podcast feed. Just go wherever you listen to podcasts, search the Active Wealth Show, or you can just head on over to activewealthshow.com. And Ford, let's go ahead and get this week's show going here on the financial side with the financial wisdom quote of the week. And now for some financial wisdom, it's time for the quote of the week. This week's quote comes to us from Milton Friedman. And Milton Friedman once said, nobody spends somebody else's money as carefully as they spend their own. Amen. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with Congress and with all the Democrats trying to tax and spend and they're spending your money and they're they're going, they're coming after your money. And we've got to do everything we can to vote with our wallets and our retirement in mind, everything will be on the up and up. And, um, you know, one person, one vote, uh, that's what I, I hope and pray for, but we've got to vote. We can't be disillusioned and not vote. Um, cause that's what happens in socialist and communist countries. Uh, we've got to vote with our conscience and we got to make sure that we're protecting those retirees and protect ourselves as pre-retirees and retirees. Um, because absolutely, Milton Friedman's right. Absolutely, nobody spends money spends somebody else's money as carefully as they spend their own. You know, I know when I was a kid growing up, you know, I would get twenty bucks from my dad, and I and I would go out and spend it in movies and popcorn and all that stuff. But when it came to my money that I was earning um, when I was doing demo work at a building downtown in Atlanta at 10 Park Place South, right there next to Georgia State, I got to tell you, that money was precious to me, and it stayed in the bank. And I would absolutely encourage each one of us to make sure we're doing a great job at protecting and growing our assets. Again, we've talked about it last week. Don't put more than $250,000 in any any bank um, as a family, um, as a household, not just individually, and don't split it up with, with spouses. You got to do a really good job at that piece for sure. On the rest of the show, we, we're going to talk about, we're going to give you more information on the lost decade, and we're also going to 
talk about should you keep trying to time the market or not? Um, so a lot of people with this market unrest, they, they've been trying to consider time in the market as well. And that, that can be a difficult situation. So more information on the lost decade that, and how it devastated millions of Americans and their retirement plans. The term lost decade is often used to refer to the period of time between January 1, 2000 and December 31st, 2009, during which the stock market experienced a significant downturn. Here's some stats on that period. The S&P 500, which is an index of 500 large cap stocks, had a negative return of 9.1% over the course of the decade. And here's how the commonly held index performed year over year. 2000, it lost 9.1%. 2001, it lost 11.1%. 2002, it lost 22.1%. 2003, it gained back 28.7%. In 04, it came back 10.9%. In 05, it came back 4.9%. In 06, it came back 15.8%. In 07, it came back 5.5%. That's five years in a row of growth. And then in 2008, it lost 37%. And in 2009, it came back 26%. And that overall return for the S&P 500, again, was a negative 9.1%. And we really want to help our clients for what is called the sequence of return risk, just like we're talking about here. Einstein once called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world, but it's important to remember that compound interest can work both for you and against you. Please consider scheduling a consultation with us. It's absolutely free at no cost to you and where we can help you implement a plan that allows you to capture stock market-like gains without stock market risk. And you can visit activewealth.com and click that schedule a consultation button in the upper right corner. Yeah, Ford, I think another great way to think about sequence of returns risk is, you know, let's say I gave you, the listener, $1,000 and you invested that $1,000 in a stock and that stock lost 10%. Well, you're now going to be at $900. But the next year, the stock comes back and gains 10%. Well, most people would say, well, I'm back to 1000 I'm back there. But it's only 10% of 900 So you're actually at 990 So I think that's very true. Compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, like Einstein said, but it's important to keep in mind that, you know, it it works great when it's going up, but it's not too good when it's going down. Yeah, absolutely. And also, just for all our listeners out there, we provide these comprehensive consultations at no cost to our listeners because we want to help you make an informed financial decision. You only work with us if it's best for you. We will discover exactly how much you're paying in fees and help you cut unnecessary costs in your IRA, 401k, or any other retirement savings accounts. We can also help you with Social Security planning and your Medicare planning. We'll compare your current situation to what's possible if you work with us. Remember, it's your money. If it matters to you, then it matters to us. And let me ask you, have you recently changed jobs or have you recently retired? If you have questions about what you should do with those old retirement accounts that you've left behind, Number one is I would tell you to go ahead and get control of those assets, get those into your own IRA account. Don't leave them with an old 401k where they're just sitting there with limited investment options and limited options to be able to rebalance and reallocate your portfolio. I would encourage you to consider investing in some smart risk and smart safe investments, smart risk being, you know, a managed portfolio also that's implemented with ETFs. You want to try to keep the fees down. So you want to try to avoid mutual funds if you can, so you can avoid those A share fees and C share fees. And also what's called 12B1 fees, which are marketing fees that um, 
mutual funds have been allowed to charge since 1940 and since the Investment Act of 1940. And what we typically see is those those mutual funds are taking those marketing fees and they're putting it into their pocket. They don't spend a whole lot of money on advertising, you know, on golf tournaments and anything like that. And you don't see them on billboards or even you don't see mutual funds even advertising on this radio show. So I would encourage you to try to minimize your mutual funds in your portfolio as well. Invest in exchange traded funds. You can get the same diversification. You can also trade those funds intraday within the trading day. And we can help you do that. We do, we implement managed portfolios. We utilize exchange traded funds to implement a lot of our portfolios. We try to minimize any mutual funds that are in our portfolios. And we do everything we can to minimize the fees and also try to manage and minimize the risks that our clients have to take. And that's kind of with the smart risk side. You're not going to be able to eliminate market risk when you're investing in the market, for sure. But when you want to invest in smart, safe investments like life insurance, where you can get tax-free income if you set that up properly, or if you're investing in fixed index annuities that can give you tax-deferred growth and income, later, but that wouldn't be tax-free income more than likely unless you're investing Roth IRA funds into a fixed index annuity. And by the way, you can do that. A lot of people didn't don't realize that. And it's also interesting to note that a lot of people are taking advantage of smart, safe investments where they're even concerned about depositing money in their checking accounts right now because what's happened with Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic Bank in the marketplace in the last two months Believe it or not, annuities are being bought at a record pace. And when we come back from the break, we've got an update on that popular defensive investment. But we're going to spend most of the time talking about should you really be trying to time the market or not? And what are the benefits of actually investing into a dollar cost averaging environment, even if you've got bad timing? Um, I would encourage you to consistently invest in the markets to get your money working as hard as you do. And we will go from there. Even with inflation, eating at home is often cheaper than dining out. I'm Matt McClure with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. Food costs are up for everyone these days, and when you get sticker shock at the grocery store, you may be tempted to consider dining out more often. But think again. Prices are up at restaurants, too. Chef David Burke recently told CNBC some of the reasons why. Now, changing the menu, not one menu, but printing menus every day. Paper goods are through the roof, too. Gloves that we wear in the kitchen are through the roof. So there's a lot of deep fryer oil, the oil that goes into the deep fryers, which we don't really look at. We always look at the protein prices. Uh, that all of those little, uh, all of those ancillary things are through the roof with, with pricing. Energy costs are also having an impact on restaurants. Not only have they driven up the price of shipping food from producers, but gas prices are driving up labor costs as well. Burke said employees who live farther away from restaurants are asking for pay increases to offset the increased cost of driving in every day. So cooking at home will still be cheaper than dining out in most cases. Many large and local grocery stores offer discounts for seniors, but if you're not able to drive, you can also order groceries online and have them delivered directly to you. 
If you do decide to dine out, say for a special occasion, try to find a restaurant that offers senior discounts. So, have you thought about cutting back on dining out? It's a key question to consider, and it's one of the 23 retirement cost cutters for 2023. With the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Matt McClure. Welcome back, Activators. I'm Ford Stokes, your Chief Financial Advisor. We've got Sam Davis, our Executive Producer, here with us. This is segment four. It's our last segment on this show, and we're going to try to pack a lot in here. Sam, go ahead and read that information. We were talking about how annuities are being bought at a record pace, and we had an update. I think you've got an update on that popular defensive investment. Yeah, just a quick update. Annuity sales did hit a record in 2022. Some recent data has been compiled, and it shows that demand for annuities has been rising amid concerns of the U.S. economy, as well as the possibility of a recession. Annuity sales hit an all-time high in 2022, according to LIMRA, an insurance industry trade group, and early forecasts show another record-breaking first quarter for 2023. So annuities have also been benefiting from higher interest rates. Those generally translate to insurers being able to pay a better return on investment. And if you have any questions, Ford, how can they get in touch? All I got to do is visit activewealth.com or even activewealthshow.com. There's a schedule a consultation button on both websites in the upper right corner. And all you've got to do is click schedule a consultation with us and, and you'll get booked directly into my calendar. We're happy to help you. So we're talking about some big takeaways here. Um, also from a revealing financial survey that nationwide, that's right, the folks that are on your side, nationwide's on your side. They also have one of the top performing products out there. And we're fortunate to have access to that product. Um, it's the Nationwide Peak 10. And they did an annual advisor authority survey and the results are in. And I wanted to read a little bit from that, Sam. Um, nearly four in 10 investors, 39% believe that the U.S. is already in a financial crisis. And three in 10 believe the U.S. is approaching one right now. Two-thirds or 65% of Gen X and almost half of the baby boomers, 48%, expect to live through at least two more financial crises in their lifetimes. Across all generations, one thing is clear, it helps to have a plan. Nearly 9 in 10 or 88% of investors feel more confident that they can make the right investment decisions, even during extreme financial crises, by having a plan for their investments Investors with an advisor feel less nervous, 31% versus 46%, and more confident, 40% versus 26%, than those without an advisor in their ability to protect their finances in the event of another financial crisis after living through prior episodes. And again, we're here to help you when, when you're dealing with any situation regarding your investments or retirement or you're trying to determine your retirement income, we can actually run a retirement income gap analysis to determine whether you're going to have a positive income surplus as you're starting retirement or nearing retirement or you're in retirement, or do you have a negative income gap? And what's going to happen if you have a negative income gap, it's going to widen over time as inflation continues to increase. Now we've been promising this, we've been promising this all show. We're going to talk about timing the market. Here's why planning and investing now could be the best option for long-term returns. If you look at the two-decade period from 2001 to 2020, here are the final results of a $2,000 annual investment 
for retirement under different scenarios. Timing isn't everything is the title. This is comes the source of this is the Schwab Center for Financial Research. Let me walk you through if you invested $2,000 annually in an S&P 500 portfolio from 2001 to 2020. And again, the source for this is the Schwab Center for Financial Research. If you just stayed in cash, you would have 44438 That would include, I guess, bank CD growth money. If you had just bad timing, you would have 121171 So let's say you invested and the market went down 10% or something or shortly after you invested your money. You still would have 121171 versus only 44000 you stayed in cash. That is a significant difference that you need to consider and watch this whole staying in cash thing. Now, if you implemented dollar cost averaging where you invested a little bit each month, you would have 134856 which is far superior than the 44438 if you stayed in cash. If you invested all of your $2,000 immediately at the beginning of the year, each year you would have had 135471 which tells me you're better off just getting money in the market. And then if you had perfect timing where you timed the investments perfectly right after a dip and right on the, on the beginning of a rise, you would have had 151391 which is only like less than $17,000 difference if you just implemented dollar cost averaging and invested a little bit every month. So the key to this is to go ahead and invest and to stay invested and be invested. I just thought this was a really interesting um, exercise that Schwab went through that the Schwab Center for Financial Research did. I thought it was really important. Uh, we're sharing it with our clients this week, and, and we wanted to share it with you, our prospects and our listeners, and just say, hey, we're here to help you any way that we can. But specifically, you want to get invested. And you can do things like, implementing tactical asset allocation with your at-risk money to minimize the fees and hopefully diversify your risk. And again, you cannot diversify financial risk away when you're invested in, in the financial markets because you've got systematic risk, which is the overall market, and unsystematic risk, which is individual companies and individual stocks. So again, I would just say get invested, stay invested, and continue to build on that investment. And again, your wealth, the greatest generator of your wealth is your personal income. And so you really need to take 15, 20% of your income and pay yourself first. Put money aside first. Put money in that 401k, put money in that IRA. But also if you've got old orphan 401ks out there that you haven't done anything with and you can't contribute to those anymore, that's another big point. You need to get it into your IRA so you can continue to invest $7,000 or $7,500 starting in 2023 into your portfolio. And we're happy to help you do that. Again, I would encourage you to visit activewealth.com or activewealthshow.com. Click that schedule a consultation button in the upper right corner. We're happy to work with you. You can also reach us at 770-685-1777. If you listen to our show for a long time, I would encourage you to go ahead and pick up the phone and give us a call at 770-685-1777. Uh, Diana and Deborah and their team are standing by to take your call and you'll get to talk directly to me and you'll get to work directly with me. 
So let's recap what you may have missed. It's the final countdown. So on today's show, we had Gus Morris, the author of Saturdays in the South, that's available on Barnes and Noble and, and Amazon on our show. And he's a 31-year veteran Southeastern Conference official, uh, football official. Um, man, that is some job. Uh, he, and he's got some serious stories to tell. And what I've thought was great. We did a bonus segment. And if you want to get this bonus interview segment, I would encourage you to visit activewealthshow.com. We talked about emotional intelligence because he clearly has that. And I encourage all of our listeners to try to have emotional intelligence when they are considering about investing and also investing for their retirement and protecting for their retirement. We also talked about, you know, in this segment, how timing's not everything and you really need to get invested and stay invested. We also covered how more annuities are being bought than ever before because people are looking for that safe harbor, that 100% financial reserve product out there. And we talked about some of the concerns that folks had from the nationwide financial survey. I thought that was really interesting um, that people are really concerned and feel like there's more financial crises looming in the future and that they're trying to do everything they can to protect their future by investing in smart risk and smart safe solutions as well. And we talked about what to do if you recently changed jobs. You don't want to leave that money in that orphan 401k. You want to try to get out there and do something a little different for sure. And we also discussed that lost decade from 2000 to the end of 2009, where it was a 9.1% loss in the S&P 500 net over an entire decade. And to expand on that, from January 1, 2001, all the way through December 31st, 2013 even, there was zero growth in the S&P 500 over that time period. And the S&P 500 is a basket of 500 of the highest cap stocks out there on the U.S. financial markets. And to be able to go 13 years without any growth or to have a negative 9.1% growth over the lost decade from 2000 to through 2009, that is a significant concern. I mean, if you go 13 years over a 30 year retirement where you haven't made any money of those 13 years, that's 43% of your retirement that you're not getting any growth in. How would that make you feel? Whereas if you would have been invested in a fixed index annuity, you would have had growth over those years and you would have had the 2008, 2001, 2002, 2003, you would have been protected against those losses in those years. So thanks so much for listening to the Active Wealth Show. When we come back next week, we're going to talk more in depth. We're going to go all the way into all the elements of a smart retirement financial plan. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, if you're planning for retirement, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, be as aggressive as you can, get as much information as you can, and hope everybody has a great week this week. Thanks for listening to The Active Wealth Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free consultation, call your chief financial advisor, Ford Stokes, at 770-685-1777 or visit activewealth.com.
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Active Wealth Management are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer.